Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Attention collectors of vinyl. Have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples? Do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia. Listen to I'd Buy That for a dollar wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois, and I love listening to Vishkana's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend, and the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Tell me how you love a man Who doesn't know that you love him Doesn't know that you care And that you are here Arielle Engel is a gifted singer, lyricist, and musician who lives in her hometown of Montreal, Quebec. As a collaborator, Engel is known for her work with Ephraim Manuel Minuck in All Hands Make Light, in the band Aurora, a duo with her husband, Andrew Whiteman, and the couple are also active members of Broken Social Scene. In her own musical pursuits, Engel operates as La Force, which launched in 2018 with a self-titled debut album and has returned with a stirring pop-oriented follow-up that meditates on death, life, love, and self-preservation. It's called Exoskeleton. It was released by Secret City Records on September 29th, 2023, and it prompted Ariel to return to this show 
for a discussion about things like uh, Paris, France, Jim Morrison, and The Doors, her relationship with her late father and how it inspired aspects of her new album, religion and superstition, how we view ourselves in relation to our families, being among fellow cynical mystics, collaborating with people like Andrew Whiteman, Shazad Ismaili, and Warren Spicer, playing cigar box guitars, being a part of a song a day project at the invitation of Feist, touring, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the cleanest source of revenue for this show. So if you can support all my work on the Patreon there, that would be great. Thank you so much. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 805 of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant and beguiling Ariel Engel from La Force, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Ariel. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much uh, for asking. Where in the world are you today? I am in Paris overlooking Père Lachaise Cemetery. Oh, are you going to go see uh, Jim Morrison's grave? No, it's not. That's not my des- That wouldn't be my destination. <laughs> There's a lot I of... saw. <laughs> I saw Oscar Wilde's. Yes, that makes and sense. And I looked for Gertrude Stein's and apparently I was standing near it, but I couldn't see it. But I'm going to try again. I'm here for a few days. I appreciate that. I believe the uh, the Lizard King's uh, uh, resting place is usually full of graffiti and visitors, I'm guessing. Have you ever walked by even? I know it's not your destination, but have you ever... Uh, I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay. I, I, I think I, I'm going to look for Colette also. I don't... Um, yeah, the Lizard King was not was never really a big part of my repertoire. No, I know. I, I can appreciate that. I guess I like I, the uh, the organ player, though. I like his riffs. Ray Manzarek, yes, he there was. You go. Uh, he was quite good. Yes, that's true. Dun, 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 dun. It's kind of like Bert Bacharach. A bit, yeah, some of absolutely. Lines. Yeah, they, they, you it's know. like they're kind of crooners now that I think about it. Absolutely, I think they and were. You are not afraid. What was that promise that you made? Is that him? That's the Doors. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't didn't think we would go on such a tangent, but yes, the doors. See, the thing is, the doors were big for me when I was like eleven, twelve, thirteen, mm. and then eventually I grew out of it. This was right around the time Oliver Stone put out that movie, The Doors, and uh, right. they were they were kind of on a comeback. And then I read right. every I read every book. I watched. Jim it. Morrison was still dead, though. He was still quite. This dead. is a comeback that he probably. I mean, obviously, he didn't get to live. The, no, no, he didn't get to. He, he didn't get to get to take part in the comeback, unless you count uh, yeah. Val Kilmer's depiction of him. But anyway, <laughs> I, I just they was, both have a close set eyes. <laughs> that's, I think. Yes, I was just so immersed that it's never left me. Do you have things like that I from see. your childhood? I think, I think, yeah, no, I think that if if we encounter things at certain ages, we're so impressionable that 
they stick, you know? Yes. Like I, I wrote to the AHA fan club at, at a time when I'm sure the fan club was defunct, but I was like so in love with them. Yes. Much too late. Yeah. Well, I was in the, yes, exactly. Like it's a, it's, it's vaguely embarrassing to me now, though I don't shy away from it, but I was in the Weezer fan club in high school. And I was mem- okay. member number one, two, three, four, which I thought was interesting. That was my member number. And the <laughs> okay. people who ran it uh, got me into shows that were sold out. And it was just a nice. Right. So it was kind of a nice thing to be part of a club and be. Con- it was like early days of the Internet, too. So uh-huh. I wasn't used to being interconnected with people from around the world by, yeah. by a common interest. And now that's uh-huh. everyone's like, yeah, what's the big deal? Everything's a fan club in a way, a weird way. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Oh, there's also OnlyFans. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Does that necessarily have to be like no. naked? No, no, it doesn't. No, you can do whatever you want with OnlyFans. It's just a premium right. thing. But for some reason, right. I think the majority of people, yes, are, yes, doing whatever. Um, yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, that's a, this is. I obviously don't have one of those. No, I wasn't suggest. Okay, I, this getting. <laughs> no, I mean, just getting a little untoward. Maybe I don't know. It's fine. This, these, okay. this is the reality of the times we live in, and there are such things. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with. Well, there's a lot wrong with the fact that people feel like OnlyFans or these sorts of things are their only recourse in life. But that's not why mm-hmm. we're here today. I don't think you and I. No, no, no. no we're not going to no, solve no. all the world's problems. But I want to <laughs> say it's nice to to talk to you again. I also want to mm-hmm. ask, because I normally would, uh, you say yeah. you're in Paris, France. Uh, this yeah. is not where you live. Why are you in Paris, France? I'm on tour. And how is that going? Last night, we played a great show. Um, the night before, not so good. But that's how it is, you know. Yeah. And you have to not live and die by every show. I have to, I'm just happy that it went well yesterday. I'm here as La Force, and I'm also I'm opening shows for Patrick Watson. Mm-hmm. So I open and then I sing with him. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I, I did my first La Force headline in London. And then before that, I was in Ireland for a week at this residency that happens in Cork that uh, culminates in, a, in, a, in, a, in shows huh. called Sounds from a Safe Harbor. That sounds like so, a full schedule. Well, yeah, very busy. Yeah. And somewhere along that, I got a plague that I just, just worked through. You got and, um, what? You did you get the cook? like? I just got some kind of nasty flu. But that ha- I mean, there's something about being on tour that you're just oh, this happens. Is it? Is it? It's likely the COVID, right? There's no. What else could it be at this point? Either. There are there are other things. Are there? there are flu. I don't think so. I yes. think COVID took over. It just it's everything now. That's what. The, no, I'm just I'm I'm making jokes. Are you feeling better? Yeah. Okay, good, good. You said you guys played a bad show, or not a great show, I guess is maybe no, a better I, way of putting it, but, well, what did you say? I'm putting words in your mouth. No, no, I, I felt we played a bad show, but then last mm-hmm. night we um, we were determined to play a good show, and we, we got off stage, and I'm playing with these wonderful musicians, Liam O'Neill, who plays with Assumes, mm-hmm. amongst other bands, and Tom Gill, who plays in so, so many bands, but yeah. he his main project is Bernice. Yes. So we're a trio, and I just am, I'm over the moon. I can't believe I get to play with them. That's a great band. I love Tom Gill and uh, Liam O'Neill. You've, you've, I've seen in Soons, and I believe you also recruited him for All Hands yes. Make Light. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to double back on the bad show thing, though. Does the bad show sure. necessarily mean the audience was rough, rough crowd, or did you feel no, like you... No, the crowd was really good. Oh, they okay. were... 
they they listened. I didn't I didn't lose them. I don't mm-hmm. know how, but I didn't lose them. The bad show was like technical problems. Like I when I went to play, my amp had been moved by the piano tuner, so there was no like there was no mic in front of it. The amp was oh, on the floor. Oh, my oh. settings had been changed. It's just like a really unsettling way to start a show, especially when you're the appetizer and they're there for the main course. Like you just want to get on there and be clear you want to know what you're doing and then i fucked myself up sorry am i allowed to do that you're allowed to fuck yourself up absolutely Uh, okay good i can swear okay um by like like just tuning my cigar box just a bit wrong but in that moment i was so overwhelmed that i couldn't remember how to fix it so it was the art of like of falling gracefully that's what i did okay and you know i i think i think i managed that and that in some ways is what makes the difference between experience and not having experience that you somehow, even if inside you feel, you feel like you wish the stage would open up and swallow you, yeah. you, um, you know, you just, it's like this kind of, it's called being professional, I guess. <laughs> and also just knowing that like, sure shows matter, but they also just don't matter. Well, there's another one coming, uh, no matter what happens. A, yeah, exactly, yeah. unless you stop doing it. But that doesn't seem to be something I'm willing to do. Well, that's what touring is, though. You have a good night, you have a bad night, you have a great night, and yeah. then yeah. maybe it settles down again. Yeah, I'm sorry that the piano yeah. tuner moved your... That's a, that's not your fault. That's, it's not his fault. It's just that the, it wasn't put back, and it, it's just... a it's a mistake. <laughs> it is. Again, you're a you're a veteran, you're a hardened professional. Mm-hmm. You can Everyone's working hard. No one tried to no one was trying to sabotage me. It was just you know, shit happens. Yes, yeah, these things happen. Well, um, it's nice to know you're on the road and, and having fun and potentially visiting people's tombs. Everything is going mm-hmm. well. I think this is maybe a nice segue into a record that seems to be discussing uh, death, mortality, uh, love. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful record called Exoskeleton. Congratulations on this, first of all, Ariel. It's Thank wonderful. You. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Now, um, just so people who are listening and maybe not reading, when I say exoskeleton, I'm not saying exoskeleton the way you would think. You know, uh, I believe insects, certain animals have exoskeletons. Is that? Did you do any research about this, Ariel? What it means, an exoskeleton? Mm, it's a carapace. It's right. just, it's when you wear, it's sort of like having your your spine and your bones, the hardness of you on the outside. On the outside, that's right. But for those listening and not reading, the actual uh, typography, the title is XO, as in, I guess, kisses and hugs. Is that right? Is that what yes, we, yeah. yes, X-O yes. XO skeleton. I, you know, I don't normally go in right away on a, a title, but that's a, a witty title. I think it speaks mm-hmm. to some of the self-protection going on on this mm-hmm. record uh, on some level. Mm-hmm. Why did that title appeal to you? I mean, I like a pun. I don't know if that's a pun. It's just playing with playing with language. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not funny. Um, it made me. It made me smile. I'm not oh, going to say. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a, a laugh. A hearty laugh. No, but I was like, oh, no. exoskeleton. But it makes. It makes. <laughs> it, it does tie in a lot of the themes. Yeah. And it's yeah. It is about that. It's about protection it's about it's about the inevitability of death and it's about how you know we we protect ourselves and we protect the people and those we love and we try to create a kind of shell for them yeah through which to move in the world yeah but that really it's a little 
It's, it is. It is a protection that they will live in while they're alive, but it doesn't prevent you from your ultimate demise. Yeah. And also, I think that the title is multifaceted. I don't want to over-determine it for people, but it means, it means quite a bit for me. Yeah. And by the way, I think it is actually a bit of a pun. Uh, I think it does okay. does work as a pun because, as I said, I had to. Anyway, it's like a double double meaning there. Um, yeah. There are songs here that uh, I don't want to use the word haunt. They're catchy, but they do haunt. Yeah. They do haunt me. Uh, How do you love a man? For example, just yeah. in my head constantly. Did you know that was an earworm when you came up with that? Yeah, I, in- I intended to write because I'm not necessarily drawn to really standard. Songs, I, th- I, I mean, I, I, I say this all the time. Like I would say, I like weirder music than I make. Like this is one of my things. But I think that I, I remember thinking, I want to try to write a classic sounding song. Mm. You know, with like standard chords and a, and a verse and a chord, like the kind of song that people understand the structure of innately in Western music. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be. Especially that it's a song, in my case, in, it's a song to my father. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to say, like, I don't know, like, look, Dad, I wrote you a really classic song. It's, it's a wonderful song in that, uh, and I, I, I hope people will be able to hear it um, to make up their own minds about it. But I do marvel at the kind of sparseness of what is ostensibly the chorus and then the kind of... Um, almost manic nature of the verses. A lot of words in the verses. Yes. And, yes. and they come at you in a torrent after this very halting... Am I almost rapping? Almost rapping, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's interesting. You've got the kind of deliberate, uh, calm chorus and then just the yeah. outpouring of emotion. You say it's for your father, and for those who don't know, this is your late father, Correct. Yeah, he doesn't seem to show up anymore. He's so late. <laughs> Sorry, your father. Your, your father passed away. <laughs> My dad. Yeah, died. your dad passed away, and I. Uh, but it's it's a larger question about how how do we love the dead and how do we love um, when the love doesn't feel reciprocated anymore. You know, it's funny. I I knew the context of the record before I was uh, digging into the lyrics and pondering the music here because uh, you've done the neat trick of. Um, I mean, it's really fascinating music. It's not easy pop music or anything, but it's it's relatively upbeat music on mm-hmm. for the most part. But the the lyrics are pretty heavy. And as I was thinking about how do you love a man and, and reading along as you were singing, I made a note here, um, and I don't know what you're going to make of it. And I'm but I'm going to tell you what the note is right now. I just wrote, "Is this a song about dot 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 God?" Now. I don't know a lot about God. People have different relationships with God, but that's mm-hmm. and people. Some people well, think he's a man. Some people don't know the gender. Anyway, am I? I mean, how could how could God have a gender? How Seems could God have a gender? It doesn't make any sense. But I couldn't no. help it. I couldn't help it. Just some of the there are some religious images in it. Yes, too. I right. mean, I talk about going to. I, I make reference to going with my father to Jerusalem. Yeah. Which is an actual, it's a real event that happened. We went to Jerusalem in 1999. Yeah. And had uh, the biggest fight we've ever had at the Western Wall. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, in my one of my verse spiels, I say, oh my God, is it weird? I'm going to like talk my lyrics at you? Well, I was just about to do it myself. So this is better for you to, I was about to. No, no, I'd rather you do it. Okay. I'd much rather you do it. Okay, so if we're talking about the same verse, I picked Must up be. on, you laughed at the wailing wall. 
said, look at those superstition freaks pushing notes through bricks as if anyone can really hear them. And yeah. and then you go on to talk about kind of, I guess, not well, not esoteric things, but sort of universal, like existential things, I guess is a better term. Yeah. Did I, did I pick the right verse? Is that what you were talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it's superstitious freaks. Is there a little typo in my notes? Uh, in my lyrics? I, I say here you laughed at this. Yeah. The, what I'm reading is you laughed at the Wailing Wall, said, look at those superstition freaks. Oh, superstitious freaks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I was like, no, it's all been printed wrong. Well, I'm, we I'm, had a big <laughs> fight at the Western, at the Wailing Wall because I, my father was born, he, he maintained he was born in Palestine. Mm-hmm. He was a Jew, but born in Palestine, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's fine. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm not gonna, let's not get into that. No, no. Um, but so I was like, well, you know, what does it, what does it mean for me? Well, like, what does it mean to be um, Jewish on my father's side? And like, we, we met up in Israel and, and, and he wanted to show me, you know, where he, you know, he grew up in T- Tel Aviv, but he want, we were in the, we were there together. So yeah. we were in Jerusalem together. And my father was like a avid uh, atheist, not just like a mild atheist. He was like, he wanted to fight with people about the complete ridiculousness of God or God. Right. So, you know, he was dogmatic in his atheism. So I remember being in this sort of like, it's like the crush of religion in, in the old, in, in the, in Jerusalem is just intense. Like the amount of religiosity between, you know, Islam and, Christianity and Judaism and then there's like it's like Coptic Christians anyway I'm not I may be getting it wrong mm-hmm. but it's in it's a real it's a, it's a place that's like full of fervor and I remember thinking like what does it mean to be Jewish like I grew up without religion and and I was just trying to take it in I was just watching people dovening and slipping notes in the cracks of the wailing wall and and my dad just like wouldn't let up he wouldn't let me just have the experience he was like doesn't this bother you? Like, look at them. Look, like they've given so little room to the women and the men or mm. have so much more room. Like he was trying to hit, like trying to ignite me on any front. And and that's what he was like. Basically, I don't remember if he said superstitious freaks, but that's how he felt about religious people. Mm. And, and then we went on to the Holy Sepulchre and our fight continued. And I was just like, just... Let me be, like, let me experience something. But he was just, I don't know, it just, it terrified him to think that I might have a religious experience. So then, cut to him dying, and I was, he knew he was dying, so we had time. And I remember sitting at his bedside and saying, maybe I'll see you again. And he, he very nicely turned down the spice and was like, I don't, you know, probably not. Like he just smiled at me so nicely. Like I didn't want to take that from me. But it's hard to commune with a dead person who has, who has blatantly told you, I have no relationship with life beyond this one that I know. Right. You know, so it's almost like I'm, I'm communing in a language that we didn't share and I'm reaching into the void because he didn't believe that he was going to be able to communicate with me. And it's almost like it's like it felt. It felt. It feels almost like disloyal to seek him beyond the material, but yeah. So mm. it's a it's a religion would have been nice. 
I suppose it would. So you grew up, that's how your father raised you. Are you yourself now? My mom is, no, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm a little more, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving it open. I don't think that, I don't think that he has, he could possibly have that kind of authority. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know, you know, like, we don't know. I do know that after he died, I, I also, there's a song on my record called Zipolite, mm-hmm. which I didn't know at the time means beach of the dead. Mm. But in it, like I had one of those, you know, transcendent dreams that people often have where the dead person visits you and speaks to you wordlessly and just like beams love at you and beams this message of like, everything's okay. Yeah. I'm okay. It's okay. And that was so intense that I, I wrote a song. I wrote that song about it. And like, you know, it's it's been a while. It, these are not, this pain is not acute. It's more that death is a fascination for me and it seems to have a different face with every decade of my life yeah i want to get into that because it is a, a central motif of this record i think it will all i think <laughs> it'll be hard for me to get away from it yeah. i suspect my next record will also feature death. yeah i picked up on that, that that that's something that has fascinated you since childhood so it's a prior sorry yeah. i'm not exactly sure of the timeline about when your father passed away but i um it sounds like death impacted you when you were young, even. It fascinated you. It compelled you. Fa- yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't settle. Yeah, yeah. It was like an obsessive thought. You know, I thought about it all the time. Hmm. Like, how do you... I couldn't just live. I had to always... Like, life. my life was always on the scales, you know? Yeah. Given the the parent-child dynamic that you occupy meaning you yeah. you you are a child you were a child you are a child to, you'll always yeah. be your parents uh, child uh you're a parent yourself um yeah. exoskeleton protection i mean these are these are parental instincts among other things um yeah. do you feel like you're and like as i like there's a song here called uh, uh october and some of these yeah. lyrics, again, forgive me if I'm not misquoting them. I'm just going to read you what I was sent. So forgive me if any of this is wrong. You've been standing in the mirror with me. It's not fair. I can't see you. Not a trick of light. It's a trick of reality. Trick of light. It's a trick of reality. I presume you're talking about seeing um, the resemblance of your parents in you. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's partly that and it's partly the kind of panopticon that is your family. Yeah. It's the feeling of wanting to please the parent, even, and that you've internalized their expectations and their gaze. So even after they're gone, yeah. you still kind of want to please them. Yeah. When I was raised, my parents, my mother in particular, I think, who was more um, vocal than my dad generally, um, would always try to get us to avoid talking about death and sickness. Mm-hmm. And I view that now as both a kind of denial, but also a form of mm-hmm. protection. So where I'm coming from mm-hmm. is you're obsessed with death as a, a young person, and you're still mm-hmm. contemplating it. You've been impacted by it as a child uh, who lost their parent. Now you're a parent. Sorry, can you talk a little bit about the relationship you see between the notion of protection, exoskeleton, if you will, and death and the inevitability of death? And, you know, both shielding your loved ones from pain um, and also acknowledging that it's unavoidable. Um, I know it's a big question, but I feel like some of that is swimming around in your lyrics here. Is that a fair, fair way of? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that 
I grew up hearing is everything's going to be okay, you know, and like, and that's a kind of a band-aid statement and I understand the impulse, but I think it's unhelpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that as parents and as people, like your, I think your mother's instinct to say, let's not talk about illness and death is a version of everything's going to be okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's too painful, yeah. but I think that it, leaves us unprepared for what is truly inevitable. Yeah. And I think that my facing mortality is a way of loosening its grip, I guess, so that I can live while I'm alive as opposed to anticipate death all the time. Do you think we put too much of a premium on making sure everyone is happy to a fault? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Because then we're like this, you know, I don't know, everyone gets served a different death, but I, I feel like we have no ritual and no, we don't seem to know how to engage with it at all other than this like terror, it feels like. Like just now I'm here looking over the cemetery and at night there's something about the way that it's lit up with the street lamps. It's it's like a horror movie. Mm. It's, I, have, I find it really intense and I realize... We haunt the dead. Yeah. They don't haunt us. Yeah. We imbue it with so much. Like, this is our fear. And like, can we, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I'm I, for, for all my thinking and obsession, I'm not necessarily that articulate when it comes to this subject, because I really feel like it's just, you know, it's the epitome of the unknown and, you know, I don't lose sleep over dying the way I did. So something is something is moving. Something about my relationship to it, it seems to be better. Or I look at it with more curiosity than dread. Well, I, I think we're just in a heightened place of being confronted with how much denial people are in about everything. Yeah, I think that's part of our obsession with living forever and our and our obsession with wellness. And I'm not, you know, obviously you want to live your life and feel as healthy as possible. But I think that there's a sense that if you don't live a really long time, you fail. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's not, you know, there's another line in one of my songs in October that I borrowed from Bernadette Meyer. People, animals, plants do what they do today and again tomorrow. And I feel like that resonated because I I love the idea of remembering that it's all cycles. These are all just circles and we leave so something else can come and in the same way that you know we compost and fertilize and things grow and yeah. that rather than seeing our life as this like long thread that we're trying to pull as tight and as long as possible that really it's about making a circle. And accepting that circle. I sound super mystical. I'm not, but <laughs> I feel like we're a bit, we're a bit crazy. We aren't become you, a bit crazy. Aren't you a little mystical? Maybe it's happening. I think that based on the last time you were on this show, we were talking about all hands make light and we were talking about light and I don't remember specifics, but it felt a little mystical. I'll just tell you that. Oh, we were talking about gardening. Yes, we were talking about gardening among, among other things. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like you are just a little, at least a little mystical. You know, I was talking about... I'm, I'm a crusty yeah. mystic, if I am. <laughs> You're a cynical mystic. 
How about yes, that? I love yeah. that. I think the that's cynical mystics. Is cynical a good band. That's, Maybe that's our band. <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's 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 trade files or relocate, yes. and we can have a band called Cynical Mystic. I'm up for it. Yeah. yeah. I was talk. I was talking to my son uh, yesterday, last night, because um, as I'm speaking to you uh, in Alberta, the air quality goes up and down uh, quite mm. a bit. But I mean, it uh, because of the wildfire smoke, it's been like. High risk, according to the measurements, ten plus. You know, ten is bad. Terrible. Anything seven and above is bad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he wanted to go out with his friends, and I said, "Well, a you probably shouldn't, but if you have to, please wear a mask." And then at the end of the day, I felt bad because he felt he was like, "Yeah, you're right. I mean, why am I even going out?" He had this realization, right? And then you know, my wife and I have these discussions, debating it. Uh, you know, what? How is he supposed to have a social life? If the world's falling apart, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't know the answer to this. But my son and I had kind of a before bed chat. And, you know, my kids wear masks in school inside. Uh, they wear now because of the outdoor, outdoor air. We're ma- sometimes we have to wear masks outside. And it's really it's brutal. Sick. And my son said, well, the world is ending. And my, Im- oh, my impulse. So cavalier. I know. My impulse was to be like, well, I don't think the world is ending. Um, but I, it is changing, and I, I, I and mean, I heard myself saying this thing to protect him. Um, yeah. But I was also astonished that he had that feeling that the, if the air is always bad, something yes. is is wrong. Anyway, how I, old is he? Twelve. Okay. Yeah, and he, and and my son is pretty astute. He's gone through. I, that's what that's what they're growing up in. Yeah, and I think when I was younger, I was shielded from all that stuff from my parents. The fact that your father, um, when you were in nineteen ninety nine, I'm guessing you were a, a teenager at least, if not, yeah, early twenties, maybe. I'm guessing. I'm just speculating. But anyway, the fact that I'm so I wait in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I was in. I was twenty. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm not very good at this. That's okay. It wasn't. I, I don't mean to. Home, I'm just. 22, I'm guessing you and I. Twenty-one. Are, yeah, you and 21. I. Yeah, you and I are on the same age as what? I'm 1977. Right. Okay. So yeah, me too. I'm the same. We're the cynical okay. mystic's going to be great. We're already aligned. <laughs> so uh, my point is, uh, yeah, it's just that I grew up in a place where my parents wouldn't. Ha- if I asked them about religion, my parents were very devout Hindus, and where mm-hmm. we started to uh, have divides is I they'd say. So we're doing this ceremony because of this. And I'd say, sorry, why are we doing the ceremony? And then it got, mm-hmm. they couldn't answer it exactly. Like, what is the significance of eating this thing or having mm-hmm. this discussion or prayer or whatever? And that's where mm-hmm. we started to get um, divided a little bit. The fact that your father said, can you believe these people? As you're in the heart, like a, one of the you know meccas of, of religious gatherings, can you mm-hmm. believe these people? Uh, his his religion, his religion. Too. I mean, the one he was born into. That is fascinating. That is a that is a mm. openness uh, with a child, and that's mm. where I was coming from with the discussion I've been having with my kids lately. Of just like, yeah, this is really a fucked up time. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this is happening, and I don't know where it's going to end. If we can just try to wait it out, that's the best I got. I don't know what I can't tell you it's good. I think you I think that, I mean for you know parent to parent I think that that's the right answer because placating them is I mean obviously you know give them some hope but I I think it's unrealistic. Yeah. This is what they're going to face more than more than we would. Yeah, and I and that's what I'm getting at and and the divide right now is that other kids and their parents aren't acknowledging it. And so then I feel like am I 
are we crazy for just paying attention are to things? Are these like climate change deniers or just people who want to protect their children? Yeah, so I, I, I think down. it's a little bit of both is what I experience every oh. day at the school. Like, you know, right. it's often my kids and their teachers are the ones trying to be uh, whatever, proactive about whatever the circumstances and the... In the air, let's say it's primarily these days. I don't know, man. If if if, if you're in a situation where the air outside and inside is always shifting in a negative way, yeah, you know, I want my kids to be as happy as possible, and they seem very happy. But it is a rough. They are. They're actually quite cheery and and happy given everything that's good. They've accepted it. It's just a weird reality for my wife and I because we didn't have that right no yeah so you want I mean I I will say like this is not to deny what's happening but I think it's always been the end of the world yes exactly exactly but this feels every every generation has had its end of the world this just this is just one that affects all of us yeah the planet won't die we're we're just going to eradicate ourselves yes see okay I mean in that way I know this is this is actually the thing that makes me feel better it does because when I think yeah. that I'm, if I think that the planet will d- truly die, then I can't handle it. But if I think that, you know, we'll just have to make a shorter loop of our life, yeah. But then the planet will get to have herself back. Then that's okay. Oh, there I am being mystical again. Well, it's cynical <laughs> mysticism. We, I think yes, we've landed on it something is cynical here. Cynical mysticism. Yeah. It's like, eh, we all die, but hmm. that's okay as long as we're all dying. It's not like. Only some it's of fair. us. It's sort of fair, <laughs> I guess. It's just, I don't know about you, but uh, and I haven't really examined this. I don't think we're all going to die in the same way and at the same time. Yeah. If, if this is, if this, if the trend continues, I think that, you know, then there's just, there's the elite, the, the elite who can protect themselves. Right. Yeah. And the Elon Musks of the world, you know. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I guess, I guess so. I think part of when you're ha- when you make a deal with your partner to have children, you're 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 sending an optimistic volley into the universe that you believe in the future. Yeah. You know, and yeah, a lot and a lot of people don't want to have children because of this. Yes, exactly. Or they're like, "What are we doing?" If I talk to younger people than I, and they say, "Well, why would I save up for a car? I'm never going to own a house. How can I possibly oh, yeah. afford to have a child?" Like, it's yeah. it's not. That's real. That's a that's a real yes. thing. And yes. And the, meanwhile, the the various governments, particularly conservative ones, want to make sure we all keep having as many children as possible because then they can be a burden on the government systems, and then we have to pay. And you know what I'm saying? I, I get now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. getting cynical. Yeah. I understand it's a big thing, and I know what's going on. But it's uh, in terms of my own house and and listening to your songs, I just can't help but. Uh, ponder what it means to be alive <laughs> and and, yes. and where it's going and these sorts of things yeah so, yeah. yeah so yeah so we've talked about a couple of these um songs and we've i think yeah. we've touched upon um at least your your father's influence on your songwriting yeah. can you in an overarching sense like what else were you were you kind of are you getting at with some of these songs in your relationship to life and death i, I have some notions of this but I don't mean to suggest this is a concept record, but did you write conceptually in any regard? I, there are a couple of songs I left off the record because I didn't think they fit thematically. Hmm. I think that there's things going on when you're writing a record that you're not aware of. You know, you might be, I mean, basically you're like, you're kind of in a mode. Yeah. And the other thing that I think like the song Ouroboros is, it's about social dynamics or like how you, you know how it's almost like 
there are within in a family or in, in certain close relationships you just get into these like another circle again but these kind of I wrote it as like kind of a, a schoolyard rhyme you know like yeah. a little bit repetitious and you know the idea is that like how do you break these cycles of discord and repair and what part of it is your fight like what part of it is an inherited fight you know yeah. like kind of like almost like an epigenetic fight that you're playing out with a family member and yeah it's kind of like uh it's 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 both about death and love and but it, and it's also about just relationships well you know? you know we've been focusing on the on death a little bit here obviously and and we, we yeah. invoke the phrase the inevit- inevitability of death but then a, co- a yeah. chorus on a song like october i think is getting to the inevitability of life people animals mm-hmm. plants do what they do today and again tomorrow people's mm-hmm. animals plants do what they do this is what life is is mm-hmm. <laughs> so also like we're no we're no we're no more important than animals and plants and i, I there's also in this record there's a, some there's some discussion of hubris yeah definitely the last song is a screed like i just pissed off on the last song it's called outrun the sun what what were you mad about per se it's like a free association rap it's actually stuff that andrew had written for mostly they're mostly words of andrews that he'd written for me and i just i recorded it at at shazad ismaili's um studio in in new york partly I, i put down the principal idea there and it's just about like one of the things that will really get me riled up is space exploration i have a real problem with it just, oh, you mean all me, these billionaires going into space and yeah. whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yes, or submarines. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, you know, I don't, of course I don't, you know, people dying in these horrible situations is sad, but I just feel like, I just feel like it's disgusting. And that's just that's the fastest word that comes to me. I find it disgusting. I just think that, you know, you just... You, we, we can't take care of the world we live in and that we're just obs- just people are obsessed with like other planets that might be inhabitable or, right I just think it's fucked it's so misguided and I'm not saying that we shouldn't explore space scientifically but to take joy rides into space yeah. for the super rich yeah. I, I mean to me it's just it's like the, the end of civilization. Well, you, yeah, you mentioned earlier that the well-heeled will probably be just fine in the event of a, yeah. a, a major uh, calamity on Earth. Well, but, as they already are, yeah. you know, like as they already are, there's, there's just such incredible disparity between people's experiences when they come to be born. And it's just this total, it's, late, it's just, it's luck. And at the same time, you know, people are born into, you know, I was born so incredibly lucky, yeah. you know, universal health care, all this stuff, like yeah. everything that I was born into. And I think people forget that it's a lottery and they think that somehow it's they deserve it. Yeah. You know? They were born into it and it's yeah. theirs and they deserve it. And they're somehow anointed. And I just it's it's that, you know, well, it makes, I mean, it makes many, many people angry, but yeah. I'm in there. I get very angry when people don't remember one that they're animals. I think that we're like we are plants and animals. Mm-hmm. We just forget, mm-hmm. and we treat 
animals terribly. We treat the planet terribly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going on a bit of a... Well, part of it... I have such love for humanity also. Yeah. I truly, truly do. And I feel that especially when I travel because I'm often exhausted and I see so many acts of kindness. Right. But it's the exhibitionism of selfishness that I think is getting yes. under your skin. Like if a billionaire yes. went into space... I wouldn't know, and they didn't say anything. I wouldn't know about it, and I wouldn't care. I, I mean, I would care as much as you care, and that I would probably be like, what the fuck are you doing? However, yeah. it's the constant like, hey, everyone, look at me. Here's yes. what I'm doing with my money, and you guys yes. are all fucked while we try to colonize Mars or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's enjoy. It's, Why don't you just take a one-way ticket, dude? Well, I just mean, but but part of it is like I I'm not. They don't have to announce every single thing they're doing, but I think mm -hmm. that is part of because I've been wrestling with this. Why do we seem to know so much about what these billionaires are up to all the time? Like mm -hmm. we used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's been going on for decades, and I guess it has. If you think of like. Howard Hughes or whoever else. Yes, like I was thinking that. The too, Rockefellers, like whoever. Like you kind of hear right, about the Weston right. family in Canada. You kind of vaguely right. hear things, but it just seems yeah. like these are our villains. That we, We've all decided that these billionaires are villains, and they they are earning their, their distinctions. However, I just... Well, I think because we worship the gods of money. Yes. So they're both our villains, and, and, and I think also... They seem untouchable, and they seem to have escaped the rat race. Right, right. And they seem to be trying to come up with ways to be immortal. And I think... On, yeah, on, yes. And I just think, no, dude, or dudette, whoever. <laughs> you, you, the Grim Reaper's coming for you just the same. Yeah. And I kind of love that. This is the thing about death. It's just the great equalizer. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know? that, that is something that you explore on this this record that it's yes like we all shit and we all die yeah, yeah. so in in yeah. terms of how you're going to marry such sentiments again mm -hmm. the hooks here are uh, it's a pop record it is absolutely a pop record which is a, a, yeah. an amazing thing given some of the um subject matter i think that you're getting to like it's really hard well let me backtrack on that some of my favorite pop songs if you will that have pop mm -hmm. structures are mm -hmm. really substantive and they really mm -hmm. are saying something. But this is mm -hmm. pretty pretty heavy stuff. Was it difficult to kind of come up with how am I going to kind of score these thoughts, these sentiments? I know you had some collaborators here. Among them, someone from the band, Plants and Animals, I believe. Oh, you know, Warren Spicer yeah, was a really yeah. big part of this record. Yeah, he so, made it with me. Yeah, yeah. so can we, can we get to but that? Lyrically, yeah. lyrically, he didn't know. I mean, lyrically, it's almost all me, and Andrew, Andrew has input. Andrew That's Whiteman, it. yeah. So, yeah. So, again, let's, let's just get to the sound of this, because it's a little synthetic. It's, I guess, what, R&B? It's pop-oriented to an extent, but it's also, in its own way, I think, if you will, a little low key it has a gentleness to it given how heavy yeah. some of the content is how did you kind of yeah. come up with how am i going to put this all out <laughs> and 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 get the emotion of the lyrics out there because your voice obviously is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there it's a beautiful yeah. voice anyway i'm rambling i don't here. think about it yeah i i don't write i don't usually write my lyrics ahead of time they the music and the lyrics come together mm -hmm. so I just, I, it's just what feels right. I don't yeah. think about it. It's not a, it's not a cerebral process for me. 
Not a, not in any way. So is it? Sorry, I no. meant to follow up on this. For those listening, uh, earlier you said something about tuning a cigar box, which I'm sure some people are confused about. <laughs> That's a guitar, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's yes. a what is it? What's a distinction for those who don't know about a what's a what's a cigar box it's guitar? The body of the guitar is made from a cigar box. It's this guy in Montreal called Daddy Moto, mm-hmm. who's a a guitar maker, and he used to make cigar box guitars. That was his first thing. Hmm. And it's that. It has four strings. It's tuned. I tuned it strangely, and I write a lot of my songs on it. For my last record, I wrote Mama Papa on it. I wrote Upside Down Wolf on it. I just, I like it. It's got, it's very simple. It's a, it's, it has a, an innate constraint because it's only four strings. And four strings, is it like a ukulele tuning? What is it exactly? Um, mine is just, it's like strung right-handed, but I play it left-handed, so mm-hmm. flipped, and it's, uh, I've just, I've left it in this half, half-step down tuning. Okay. I loaned, I, Andrew and I did a, a few years ago, we scored, um, a chalk circle, the play. Okay. For the National Theatre School, and we lent my cigar box to the principal actor, and he restrung it right-handed. Mm. And then I forgot about this instrument, and a year later I went to get it, and it had just kind of loosened into being half a step down, and it was flipped. So hmm. I ended up writing a whole bunch of stuff on it because I'm not a real guitar player. Okay, I don't I don't know what I'm doing on the guitar. Sure. So if you hand me a guitar, that's it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not. I'll 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 try to find something I like, hmm. but I'm never thinking. Oh, I think uh, it would be smart to go to uh, to the four, mm. and you know, I'm you know, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm an autodidact because I have I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I haven't right. learned, yeah, but I'm an auto whatever. Yeah, you you just try you try things and you figure them out. Yeah, it's all feel. It's yeah. all like does does this resonate? Does this feel? Does this feel? Does this feel? I I I one day may get into do I think. Right. When I'm working, but I haven't gotten there yet. However, it was really important to me that the lyrics have weight and mean something to me because you sing them every night and you you want it to matter. You want to be able to connect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so I I'm actually I'm really happy with um, most of the like yeah overall I'm very happy with the lyrics on this record. So you mentioned Warren, so I want to ask about his role in this um, in terms of oh, coming up with the music. Just, and you mentioned yeah. Shazad Ismaili as well. Who is he still in Brooklyn? Yeah, he he was in. I just saw him in Cork, but yes, oh, Ireland. Okay. But he's he's still in Brooklyn. Yeah, I have, yeah. sorry, I've talked. I, he's supposed to be on the show. Actually, I'm supposed to. We just exchanged some emails, but I met him. Have in, you ever talked to him? Well, yeah, we st- We met him, and sorry, I've told the story a few times. I was road managing the band Royal City in uh, October of 2000, and we stayed. Uh, did we stay with him? We hung out with him quite a bit. I forget whose houses. We were all sort of staying wherever we could in Brooklyn. But um, you you must have gotten along, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, we did. But famously, infamously, um, I wasn't on the trip, but he drove some of my bandmates um, across the Brooklyn Bridge um, driving a van with his feet mm-hmm. while yeah. playing a bass, unplugged bass. Oh, yeah. And yeah. very eccentric sound. Oh, yeah, you told me this. I've told you the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It sounds, it sounds right. <laughs> it, sounds, it makes sense. <laughs> He's a little eccentric. One time I got into his car and he had like so much shit in his car, including like an elliptical machine. <laughs> he also has a very strange car. I could barely get in. It was great. And he handed me some a snack he was eating. Yeah. 
I, I adore him. Yeah, he's he's unusual, and, and I, I believe we're going to chat. Anyway, sorry, Warren, Shazad, anyone else, can you yeah. talk a little bit about how the, the music uh, sort of came about beyond oh, beyond yeah. your contributions, I mean? Warren was there for the very, very early on, and we started in a studio, and it was just like, because I often, I, my songs are rarely finished, so I kind of finish them as I'm right as I'm recording them, yeah. and we started in a studio, and it was just a lot of pressure, I, I didn't, I felt like the scale of the room didn't fit the fragility of the process, so we ended up moving into my basement, where we have a very simple setup, yeah. and we would have like, we would meet, maybe work about three hours a day, some days, and he he would come over. We'd have toast, we'd work, have some lunch. It was uh, leisurely. Nice. But he was um, wonderful and encouraging, and he was happy to explore with me. He's he's just an incredible person to work with. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful union of people, I will say, and and it's coming across. Uh, you're happy with how it's coming across live, I should say. Yes, I'm very happy with with the trio. Yeah, is it very very happy? Is there like I said, there are some I, I guess what I said synthetic elements, but there there's some what drum machines and things like that. I think. I always write everything. I write almost everything to a, an old Korg drum machine. Yeah. Like it has like presets like samba or yeah. you know, <laughs> I love the I love that kind of. <laughs> I don't. I'm not saying that's a samba, but I I'm really attached to this. It's one of my tools. It's a, like analog. It won't clock, you know. Yeah. I can't actually use it live, but we. I I love I love uh, yeah I love drum machines. I like the combination of live drums and drum machines. I see. And okay. Synthetic and quote unquote organic sounding stuff, and it just needs to feel warm. I don't like to feel that the music is cluttered. I like spare arrangements. I like space. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think that most of my music could fit in a parlor mm-hmm. and that you can hear some of the songs have more tracks, but that you could, it could be played by four people in a room. I don't like wall of sound music when it comes to my project. I think you've, because you're such a great songwriter and arranger and composer, I think you've, what you've got here with this batch of songs is that you could do this with, uh, 18 people backing you up or you could do it by yourself and it would still mm-hmm. work because the songs are there and uh, yeah. and so I just want to com- commend you on that and again you're one in a million voice too uh, a lot of emotion in it so I, I just I don't know I, I will say I feel the words uh, profoundly and um, I'm still processing what it all means um, but I feel like we got to mm-hmm. some stuff about it today that is going to also yeah. give me something to ponder about what this all means as a as a parent and as a human just trying to navigate yeah. life and know that it's finite and yeah. and all those sorts of things so imagine if it wasn't horrible well there's i think we do live our lives every day not thinking about it and i don't think there's going back to what my my mother's impulses and instincts were why not mm-hmm. live life like there might not be any pain in it you know why you know, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, that. I do understand yeah. that. And I, as I get older, and I think, I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. Go ahead. I, 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 to- I understand. Well, oh, get- they're both valid. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's a better way. I just, you know, I was just tortured by 
the thought of death. And I, this is what I had to do. But I think if you can say, look, I know it's coming. And for now, the point of my life is to live it. And, you know, some people just don't fret about it. I have a grandmother who's alive, who's 96. And she said the meaning, she's told my mom that the meaning of life is living, which yeah, I think is lovely. Yeah. So I, and, and she doesn't, she doesn't worry about death. She, I don't think she spent very much time. I don't. I can see it in people's eyes now that when we talk about the world and life and uh, inevitably I might say, well, it's not looking good. I mean, if you pay attention <laughs> to the climate stuff or how we've dealt yeah. with this pandemic, like not even the pandemic itself, like how we've dealt with it. I think as I you, like that you've kept the, the in front of the pandemic. People say pandemic. Oh, do they? Yes, they say during pandemic. Oh, they do? It drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. You'll know. And I my, think you'll hear it now. My point is that I feel like I think people view it talking about it like you're a drag uh, for talking about it. And I used to be like, well, whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to deny reality. But now I look into my kid's eyes or my wife's eyes. I'm like, oh, no, I think I am being a drag just by dwelling on it. But then I'm like, if we don't acknowledge it, we would ignore mm-hmm. it. And then that's peril. You know, like yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm like, Michelle, maybe don't do a bunch of gardening if the air quality is 10 plus. Like it's not even mm-hmm. it's off the charts. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, who am I to tell someone because that's the great argument right now. Like, who is who is the government or doctors to tell me how I want to live my life? If I want to smoke five packs of cigarettes a day and yes. drink and and drive and do this and that, like, who are well, they? Well, no, drive is different. Well, I'm just saying. They, I, I, no, they're, they're, I think that's the big difference. Right. If you want to do what you want with your own body without hurting other people, but, absolutely. But don't get in a car. No, but that's where I'm at, though. The, 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 the fundamental point of some of these people is... It's my life without acknowledging that they're... You mean the libertarian vibe? The the decisions we make as a society to not wear things that protect others or whatever, to do things that don't protect others, is inherently selfish, but it is being, yes, it's being presented as libertarian, you know, don't tread on me kind of bullshit when the the real sense of it is, no, whatever happens to you, you're right. That is your right. But unfortunately, we're in a spot where that's going to impact other people. So pl- yeah. please don't drive your RVs in the forest because it's causing fires. Yes. Please don't, you know, do all this shit that's causing problems for other people, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. see, this is where I start to sound like a drag to people. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we just don't talk about it so that we don't think about it. But I feel like you're you and I in our band. Uh, what was it called? <laughs> cynical Mystic. Cynic. What? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cynical, cynical Mystics. Mystic. Yeah. The Cynical Mystic yeah. Yeah, band will deal with some of these issues and it'll be really poppy and fun. But uh, if you read the <laughs> lyric sheet, you'll be like, man, that guy's a drag. Anyway, sorry. I went on and on there. Ariel. I apologize. What's kind of coming up next for you? Uh, beyond this, uh, this record's coming out and, uh, and all those sorts of things and you're touring already, but what's, what's next? Mm-hmm. Are you already working on new stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I just, I've booked myself pretty, pretty solidly, but, um, I really want to work on stuff. I want to work on stuff on my own and I want to work on stuff with Tom and Liam. I feel like we have such a nice thing going. Yeah. And of course, and I say this to myself every the last two times I've made a record, I told myself I was making a dance record. I mean, it's like a cliche at this point, but I, I want to make a dance record. You know, my first interview for this record, I, I was talking to this this lady in Germany, and her first question at the 
her first question was, why do you have no up-tempo songs on your record? Mm. And I get why she's asking me that. I felt, <laughs> but it was a little bit of a, I felt like my Achilles heel, you know, it really <laughs> pissed me off. Well, as I said, as I said, as I said, it is pop oriented and infectious. Like I get the hooks in my head and I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to learn the words. Like I could see myself singing, how do you love a man to my daughter at bedtime? You know, if I, mm. if I get the words down, that's probably what's good. Sorry, I'm just telling you a little bit about how my mind works. Nice. You sing, but you sing to your children is what I'm gleaning. Well, I do. I do. Well, not my son as much anymore. Uh, that, that time has passed for him. But uh, <laughs> for my daughter, yeah, every other night I'm on shift and we read a book and then I sing whatever I can play on guitar. And uh, anyway, I can see myself. Oh, you play her? You play and sing yeah. for her? Yeah. Is that weird? Oh, so nice. Well, no, oh, I try to. So I'm, nice. It's uh, during the pandemic. I decided, like you, uh, well, maybe not quite like you, but I'm not a, I'm not a um, great guitar player or whatever. And I just, mm-hmm. but I'm gradually. Uh, I've had some lessons and guidance, and I watch YouTube videos to learn things. And uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm getting better at it. All this to say, yeah, I learn. If she likes a song, I try to learn it, and then we sing it sometimes together, even. And uh, you're such a good parent. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Don't No, No, you are. I'm do- no, I, I mean, we've talked a couple times and I and I love that your, your children are really present. Oh, yeah. I that is that, that's fair. Yeah, we 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 are we we are pretty galvanized. And that's why we can have open, uh, frank conversations and why my son would feel comfortable saying something like, well, I feel like the world is... Over. We actually had a debate last night because he's like, well, you're usually right about everything. I said, no, I'm not. Don't say that. I'm not right about everything. He's like, well... Kind of. I'm right about being wrong. Yeah, I, I didn't want to... I, yeah, sorry. I'm bristling at... I'm doing my best. My wife and I are a good team and we're doing our best mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff. All this to say... That's what it is. That Raising children is teamwork. Yes, it is. All this to say uh, to the German journalist, I yes. think there's... I get what the, maybe where they're coming from um, on the one hand, but I think yeah. you the, the hooks are uh, unavoidable. Like it's just they're undeniable what you've come mm-hmm. up with here. It is catchy. Yes, there's mm-hmm. not a pulsing German techno beat from the '90s or whatever, but mm-hmm. but within the drum machine stuff, it's like I don't know. Well, there's like this. I mean, you can you can still move to it. You just 100 percent a little slower. Yes, it's slow dance sort of music. And then every it's, once in a while, I call it sad dance party music. Yeah, but then by the end of the record, there's a real charge to outrun the sun, and I, yeah. I wonder if that would you agree? That's a bit of a. I feel like that's a leading out. Yeah, yeah it, that's a leading it's out. It's a bit of an anomaly on the record, right? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and maybe it was recorded elsewhere, and it's about it's sort of about what's to come, maybe. For for La Force, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I've been hitting upon a little this. rougher, a little rawer, a little, um, yeah, a little meaner, you know, I, maybe a, a tiny bit less palatable. There's been a number of artists, uh, certainly in the last few years, who say that the the last song on their current record might be the gateway into what comes next. So yeah, they're they're creating little continuums for themselves. It, it, it yeah. wasn't always the case. So. All of this to say, you mentioned yeah. the dance record. So, are you feeling 
like that has to be fulfilled because you've mentioned a few times to people that you're making. I think that I'm doing that so that I could, I don't know, making, making a public promise, not that anyone's going to hold me to it, but it's actually, it's just, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I got together with, um, the musician Luke, well, his name's Luke Brenneman, but Luke Temple is his, mm -hmm. is, or Art Feynman. These are, he was also, he also had a band called Here We Go Magic. Oh yeah. We got together and did a, a couple days of work recently and, And I was like, yeah, I want to make a dance record. He's like, everyone wants to make a dance record. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was, he was, it's, it's sobering. I realized that it's, it's much harder to make a dance record. Well, it's a conscious proclamation that you're going to try to do something that is fun. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like I'm, I may make, you know, a largely sad dance record, but yeah. just music that's more inherently about, um, that's maybe a little less lyric. Lyric driven. I think maybe what you could to get your feet wet. Yeah. This record itself, maybe there's some remix opportunities. You know what I mean? I feel like the. Oh yeah, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Andrew will do a couple, but I. Yeah. Absolutely. Sense because again, I think the 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 vocals and the hooks are so alluring. We could turn it into top line. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. I'm <laughs> sorry. Who am I to say these things? I'm just saying that could be one way to be like, huh? I'm in the market for a top line work too. Any. You could do a recontextualization of some of this in terms of that kind of. I say remix is shorthand for like just different music arrangements, like yeah. just to satisfy one German journalist. <laughs> Ouroboros was fast when I wrote it. Yes. I wrote it during this thing called Song a Day, which is like. Oh Which yeah, was like this challenge where you had to write a song a day. I talked and to. It was I fast. think was was Hayden in that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah many, many people. Um, I did it. I did it at the same time as Hayden. I, I think I did it three times. Oh, okay. and a lot of this, a lot of this came out of that. And and I did write some dance songs out of that, but they're not. They are not in the world. Yeah. Hayden was on the show to talk about his uh, latest record, which we all yeah. love in the family as well, in the house as well. And uh, he um, he ascribed, uh, uh, he thanked, I, sh I should say, uh, uh, Feist, Leslie Feist. Uh, she for brought him in. She brought him in, yeah. Yeah, yeah she yeah. brought so, me in too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the record's great. So you're working on this dance record. Anything else uh, coming up beyond uh, uh, I think I'm going to, I think, uh, I think, I mean, I haven't been in touch with Ephraim in a while because we're both busy doing different things but there's we had plans to one figure out just playing some shows and also recording more music so that i think there'll be more all hands make light there's more broken stuff that i'll do um yep. and is that it yeah i mean i mean i met some new people in cork that i want to collaborate with caroline rose is someone that i just totally connected to that I really like it's based mm. in the US she and I are going to get together oh cool yeah just stuff you know see <laughs> see what happens <laughs> well that's great I'm always a, a fan of whatever it is you do uh, it seems so thank you so much um, thank for, you for, for talking to me for making stuff yeah where can people go to learn more about The Force and this uh, a wonderful new record Exoskeleton I'm actually the person behind the Instagram mm -hmm. the La Force band mm -hmm. There's a website. I think it's probably La Force Band. Mm -hmm. Apparently, I have a TikTok, but I have yet to do anything. <laughs> it terrifies me. Mm -hmm. I don't tweet. Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, and I also have a newsletter, which people can sign up to if they'd like. Oh. I, this, I write those things, too. Okay. Yeah. That's but awesome. Instagram is really the place that I 
go to most. Okay. So follow. I'll link to some of these things, obviously, so people can follow and whatnot. Yeah. Now, if we can go out on a song from Exoskeleton uh, so people have a sense of what we've been talking about, um, yeah. can you choose such a song and maybe tell us why it came to mind? Uh, October. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's a song that I, I'm i happy with it. Yeah. As we're speaking, uh, it is almost October. Um, yeah. Is there any particular reason um, that that month is significant uh, to you and, and, and the song? Because I'm a goth at heart. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was written in October, and I think that when you live, I mean, where I live, Montreal, October is a is a is a really evocative time, you know, right. where all the leaves, a lot of the leaves are falling, and it's um it's a time of contemplation of uh, there's a sense of death and renewal. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of death and like that, you know, you're going into the deep freeze, and um. As it happens, not to make too much of this, it's the same month. It's the month in which my father was both uh, born and died. Mm. And I was, I was thinking about that circle. And yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a really fruitful, it's a beautiful month. It has, a, it has like a, a delicious melancholy that is easy to sing about. Yeah, and in Western culture, the month ends with a fun-filled celebration of death. Yeah. Halloween. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it Which all, is yeah. beautiful and bacchanalian. Yeah, exactly. And there's candy. How can you go wrong? Just, mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> uh, from the beautiful new album Exoskeleton uh, by LaForce, uh, this is October Ariel, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for always giving me some time, and I wish you the best luck in the future, and I hope we talk soon. Thank you. Never be beyond your approval Even now that I am beyond your gaze You've been looking at me in the mirror It's not fair Circum never gave.
At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I feel very fortunate that uh, Ariel Engel makes time for me on the show. I think this is, I believe this is the fourth time she's been on the show, which is very nice. And uh, what a lovely and talented person. Thank you, Ariel, for being on this, the 804th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, somebody just asked about this on, uh, on my Patreon. It's not on Spotify, but it's pretty much everywhere else. And if you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on various social media things uh, or follow it. 
It's on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative. Uh, you can follow me directly on Twitter and Instagram at Vishkana. I'm also on Blue Sky and all the other things. TikTok. There's a YouTube channel for the show. That that replacements episode I did with uh, you know, Bob and Ed and Jason recently uh, really took off on YouTube. I don't know who shared that or where how it got around, but that thing is uh, blowing up on the YouTube there. Anyway, yeah, there's all sorts of things for Creative Control, so check those out. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this show. That is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into the show. And if you visit the Patreon, you'll be like, oh my God, how could anyone live off of this? Well, (laughs) it is a little rough, uh, but uh, this is why we have other jobs and things, right? To take care of our families and whatnot um i'm I'm talking about podcasters and people with uh patreons and only fans and all these things anyway if you feel like supporting my work uh and this show patreon's the best way to do it um six dollars or more a month grants you access to exclusive content you get episodes earlier than everybody else Uh, i put up the odd strange thing for my audio archives that uh I, i have still and uh, if you want a Creative Control t-shirt, you can get one there, too. Just message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one uh, if I still have sizes and colors that you prefer. So thanks. Thanks so much. Also, thanks to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. As always, thanks to my dear friend Jim Guthrie. He lends me music for this show. You can learn more about Jim and his work at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with the Force. Check out Exoskeleton. Uh, I, I'm just increasingly uh, more in love with this album the more I listen to it. I can't get it out of my head. So I hope you'll check it out, and I hope you'll subscribe to this show or follow it and tell your friends about it. And uh, that's all I got for now. Uh, thanks again for being you. I will talk to you soon. So long. Bye for now. Bye for now.